Praise the Lord. We're starting a new series today, and uh, we'd love to really welcome every one of you who's visiting with us for the first time. Really, really grateful for what God is doing. We're going to take time to minister to people and pray for people, as we have said the last few weeks. I feel very strongly in my heart that we should take time to pray for people and minister to people. And uh, it's, it's part of what Jesus said we must do. We, the theme of our conference, which was very powerful, was how to, was uh, God is doing a new thing. And in this month, I want to answer the question, how do you embrace the new thing? Because now that we are moving into the new thing, how do we embrace what God is going to do among us? But before we get into the points, let's first remind one another. Our main text was Isaiah 43, verse 19, which says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So as we celebrated 40 years of God carrying us for these 40 years, it became clear to us during our word explosion that God was telling us that we are entering into a new era. There's no questions about that. This God who has carried us from Mavis Hall in White City, Jabavu in 1983, to Isaacson Higher Primary School 1983 to 1984, to Church of the Holy Ghost in White City, Jabavu 1984 to 1985, to Tlengi Secondary School in White City 1985 to 1986, to Homemakers Festival Grounds in Rockville 1986 to 2001, and then we moved here on the 28th of October 2001. And now we are about more than 70-something churches around the country, and God has been very faithful. We believe that this same God who's carried us the 40 years will carry us on the next years that are ahead of us. Can I hear a good amen? amen. It's a wonderful thing, Barcelona. We were talking about it last week that, you know, 40 years is not a small feat. It's quite a long time what we see what God is doing. So we're entering into a new era. Somebody say new era. New season. New phase. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a new era, neighbor. Look at another one and say, it's a new phase. Not, 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 tell them that your face will remain the way it is, but I'm talking about a new phase in ministry. P-H-A-S-E. Tell them, we're entering a new season. Now, God's way of working is to build on the foundation and the lessons he gave us. God doesn't destroy the foundation that he gave us, but he builds on it as he builds this new thing. And when we look around, we note that there's a sign that not only is God doing something new among us, but everywhere else in the body of Christ. Just like it is with natural things, when we look at the weather patterns and we see what's going on around us, we can tell when it's about to rain. I think uh, this week, uh, Tuesday, Monday, and Sunday last week and the other weeks, it was raining. And you could tell that it's raining, and because you are aware it's raining, and when you looked outside, you noticed it's raining, you wore the appropriate attire, right? You didn't go out there with your sleeveless shirt when it's raining and it's cold like that. And you made sure that you had your umbrella or you had your raincoat because it's raining. Jesus says it. In John 4, 35, when he was in Samaria, Behold, I say to you, 
Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, when you look around on the spiritual weather pattern, we note that the clouds are forming, it's about to rain. God is doing a new thing in the whole church, Jigelele, whether you are Pentecostal, charismatic, mainline churches, automatic, pragmatic, whatever-matic, right? Whether you are African, independent, independent, codependent, whatever dependent, God is working, all right? God is working among us, the young and the old, black or white, yellow, pink, purple. If you are purple in color, whatever color you are, God is working. Tell your neighbor, God is working. God is working. And there are several signs, just like when you look up, you see the clouds forming. There are several things when you look around, you see that they're happening. We spoke about this during Word Explosion. Let me remind you quickly before I go to my main points. The first thing, we know that we as the church, we're doing an introspection on how effective we have been in preaching the gospel in its totality. We're asking ourselves, what have we been teaching all these years? And the main question is, are we still talking as the most important thing that people should be born again. The core of the gospel is for people to be born again and come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. But not only limited to that, the gospel also tells us to take care of people who are in need, to reach out to the people who are poor, to take care of people who are in prison, and to do all these philanthropic works. However, the first and most important thing is to preach the gospel that people should be born again. Pasalana, it's only the gospel that changes people's hearts. And it's only the power of the gospel that can change the evilness in a man's heart. I mean, when we look, about, look around the world and we see the things that are going on in the world, just the recent thing with one of the pastors being shot and killed, I mean, Antarera on stage. I mean, what kind of people do those kind of things, Pasalana? Only God can change hearts like that. Can I hear a good amen? And we should never ever look down upon the fact that we can preach and call people to the front that they should be born again and receive Christ as Savior and Lord. The second thing is there's the atmosphere of the move of God in our church services. God is moving in a mighty way. Now, don't mistake noise for the move of the Holy Spirit. All right? God can move even when it's quiet. God can move even when people are not shouting and screaming. But God is moving. I got an interesting text from one of our pastors just not long ago. And they were saying that uh, in the service, they didn't know what to do. That uh, they were in the service and uh, uh, all of a sudden there was a, the, the power of God moved in like a wind blowing, you know. And, and when that happened, everybody fell on their knees in the church and people were just worshiping in the presence of the Lord. So they asked me, Ori, Bishop, what must I do when that happens? And then I answered, I said, don't do anything. God started it, let him finish it. Can I hear an amen? Basalana is the atmosphere of the presence of God that's able to change lives. It's an atmosphere of the presence of God that makes what's right, what is wrong right in our lives. So the third thing is the unity of the body of Christ. As we see in leaders coming together. Now, during Word Explosion, I gave you an example of, uh, you know, the funeral here, the son, uh, uh, Apostle Manzinge, and also the service at Mfundisi uh, Mosendala, uh, God Reigns International in Zanin. Uh, just this past Thursday, I attended the funeral of uh, uh, one of the, the, the people that we knew, and he's a leader. 
And uh, I don't know some of you, if you know Mfundisi Sam Daza. And Sam Daza uh, was a friend of the late Dr. George Janssen. And in fact, they were, it's, it's, it's five friends, you know, these are five people who are friends. Many of you know Apostle Stolle, uh, uh, David Ton. You, you know Apostle Stolle? Look at your neighbor who doesn't know what I'm talking about and say, Marawena, Mara, Marawena. Do, do, do you know Apostle Stolle, Wako David Ton? Yeah, okay, so it's him. It's Apostle Stolle, Wako. It's Oasis of Life. That's the name of the church. Now, it was, these were friends. It was Apostle Stolle, whom by God's grace is still around. But all his other four friends have passed on, you know? The late uh, Apostle Raymond Vanda, the late Apostle George Janssen, and then uh, uh, Bishop Simelani, and now Mfundisi Semtaza. Now, you know, Basalana, I've got to tell you this story so that you understand what I'm, where I'm going with this. You know, it, by God's grace, I don't know what happened. just happened here coincidentally that growing up, I was always the youngest in many things, you know. The, I was always telling now, Labon actually the youngest, Labon. I could have a very time, maybe never Malume, you know. I was about Obita Malume, what's about Rayano, Hosler. Hey, amen. So, so I was always at school because we were promoted from uh, standard five to form one, you know. So, I was the youngest, and in many things, I was the youngest. And then when I came into ministry, I was quite young. And however, I went to school with some of these uh, leaders. You know, we were in the same class with uh, Apostle Stolle. Uh, him and his wife were in the same class as well, Lee, the late Babus Melane. So we're in the same class at school. And Mfundisi Vanda went to the same Bible school I went to, but a year later, and all of that. So, you know, it's people I knew. So when they started meeting as the five friends, I thought, Aman Yabazi, Nami, let me join. Yabona again. So when I joined, Hey, Carilez, are able to what they're talking about? Angafigi lab. Yeah, they're talking about other things. I'm not there yet. So, Kawana, I don't fit. I, I may, we may be in this, I don't fit. In a nice way, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you don't fit, you know. So, so, nevertheless, as much as I was, I couldn't call myself their friend, I've been very close to them. So, here they are. Four of them have passed on. Shem, who apostles told you know, uh, he's left alone. So I went to the funeral, you know. So when I came, I find him, you know, he's got his chair. He's got two chairs, beautiful ones that are different to the rest. So, so, so he was sitting in one, and then he made me sit in the other, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, Ganjan. And then it occurred to me as I'm sitting there, I'm the next in line. You know, it just occurred to me. I mean, I, I was grateful to be honored to sit in the chair, but I realized, hey, it's a statement. It's not just a chair. It's a statement. So he then asked me to come and say some words, even if I wasn't on the program. He put me in the program, so I came and spoke. Are you? I, 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 to Malana. So, sorry. But then, at the end of the service, as we were taking the coffin out of the church, he asked me to join him in the, you know, in the procession. Just come, Claudia Mamona. And then he asked the pastors to come and form a guard of honor. I wasn't ready for that. There were so many pastors, bishops, apostles. The guard of honor started from inside the church to the outside of the church. That's how many leaders. We were all there, Basalan. All denominations, we were there wearing suits. Others were wearing collars. Others were wearing skinny jeans and whatever, but we were, we were all there. 
and I was looking. It was young and old, all age groups, and I looked at that. Now, some of you may not appreciate that because you may not be aware of where we were a few years ago. Here we are now as churches, as ministers right across the country. We are working together. Can I hear an amen? Come on, you can give the Lord a shout for that. Hallelujah. The minute you see leaders and men of God and women of God working together in unity, then you can tell there's something happening in the heavenlies. Oh, the reign of the Holy Ghost is about to fall, somebody. Hallelujah. So there's the unity that we see seen in leaders. Thirdly, fourthly rather, there's a restoration of mentals. We are seeing people being restored to their offices, the office of an apostle, prophet. And people are hungering for this. This past Thursday as well, in the evening I came, Hubali, our leaders, and I was, you know, sharing the theme for this month. And I was talking about how there's going to be a restoration of the prophetic. And I started declaring that, you know, some of you, God wants to use you in this area and the people whom in our church carry that. And I said, come, let me pray for you. And so a few people came, but anointing came so powerfully on them, even without us laying hands on them. It was just incredible. So we're going to see, Bazalana, restoration of different offices, you know. There are some people, God has called them as evangelists. We're going to see evangelists go around in countries and evangelize people. Can I hear a good amen? amen? Number five, there's the transgenerational cooperation where we see young and old. And, you know, it's different now. We, we coexist side by side. You know, runaka nakaruna, you'd see the young people pulling on their own in the things concerning the gospel and never working together with the elderly. And the elderly would criticize the young people and the young people would criticize the elderly. But that's not the way it is in these days. Young and old is coexisting side by side and we are working together. Can I hear an amen? amen. And number six, we are embracing people that God has anointed. And as they operate in the fullness of their mental, we are embracing them. We are moving away from the strife and the argument of the disciples of Christ where they were arguing who is the greatest among them. We're no longer about who's the greatest among them. We are just saying who is God using? And whoever God is using, we will honor that and we will... Can I hear an amen, Bazarat? And number seven, there's the revival of the spirit of prayer. My goodness. I have never seen people hungry for prayer as I see now. Everywhere, people are praying. But remember, prayer births the move of God. Are you there, Bazalanane? I mean, this week I was so excited with the prayer that we had. I've been excited. I'm always excited about it. It's like my excitement level moves from one excitement to the other. I don't know. But I was so grateful, particularly when you see people joining in prayer. You know, and, and I mean, I remember when we started with this Facebook prayer, I was very concerned, Horimara. How am I going to preach to people that I don't see, you know? You know, because now we are used to looking at people. You know when you are looking at us, you are communicating back to us. Do you know that? Can I tell you what you are saying right now? <laughs> but you know, when you are standing in front of a crowd, people feed back. And you can tell, you can, you know. And I was very concerned, Ramada. How am I going to preach to people? Not only don't you see them. They don't even labor amen. You can't hear it. Like some of you, you never say amen. Look at you and never say, well, now you never say anything. But I'm amazed by her so as to what has happened, that as much as we don't see people, we don't hear any amens, we can tell what the Spirit is doing. 
You can almost feel people in the spirit. I can sense sometimes. In fact, somebody, somebody was saying to me when I was talking to them along these lines, you know, it's, it's amazing that you, you answered something I was, I was wondering about. You know, and you went in the direction, and I don't need to ask anymore. Now God has answered me. Oh, there's a move of the spirit in prayer, Bazaran. Look at your neighbor who's not coming to the morning prayer and say, Marawena, why osaki? Morning prayer, why osaki? So there's a revival of prayer. Now, because of this newness and freshness, as we move into the new thing or the new season, we need to then, Mamalan, carefully, embrace the new era. Because many times when God starts, tries to do something, we can hinder what God wants to do. Or we may not position ourselves in a place where when God moves, he can move freely. So how then do we embrace the new era? This is the start of my message, point number one. Number one, we need to get rid of complacency. Get rid of complacency. What do I mean? We need to actively participate in what God is doing and be part of it. You know, there are people who they are so complacent, nothing excites them, nothing moves them. Even when something is urgent and something is very important, they don't see the need for it. There are people who, even if God's moving in the church, they won't come to church. There are people, even when God is moving in prayer, they will not attend the prayer meeting. There are people who, even in church here, they just sit there. doesn't matter what's happening. They'll never raise their hands. They'll never sing. They'll never say amen. They'll never say amen. I hope you're not sitting next to somebody like that. <laughs> God works through people who are hungering and who are thirsting. And when God is moving, you need to say, God, I want to be part of what you are doing. Don't be neutral. Don't sit there and say, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. You see, Jesus, when he was preaching to his countrymen in John 7, I like the way he did it. He stands up. It says, on that great day, the day of the feast, Jesus stood up. And this is what he said. He said, if any man thirsts, if any man thirsts, let him come. Note, Barcelona, if any man, so here's the first part. God will work through any man, anybody. God is not exclusive. God is not to be packaged or privatized. When God uses people, it's not because they are better than you. God is God of any man, any person. If any man, but he says, if any man thirsts, so if you are thirsty, if you are hungry, if you want more for God, you are the right candidate. If any man thirsts, he says, let him come. Come on, come on. Don't ask your friend. Don't ask your neighbor. Don't ask their opinion. How am I try that I want more of God? Take the step of going. Can I hear a good amen? It wouldn't be surprising, Barcelona, if some of you, you're the only one who went to church this morning. And your whole family is not in support of what you're doing. Mara, look, you can't hunger on their behalf. You can't thirst on their behalf. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are the one who feels the hunger. You are the one who feels the thirst. If any man thirsts, Jesus says, let him come. Let him come and drink and participate. So, Basana, we need to be those people who are not complacent. 
Note what Jesus says to the church in Revelation 3. He says, these are the words of the Amen. Revelation 3, 14 in the NIV. The faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. God doesn't like it when we are neutral. You know, nothing moves you. You just sit there and Jaina passively. Doesn't matter what, what the preaching is. You don't respond to the altar call. You don't pray. You don't raise your hands. You don't read your Bible. You don't live right. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? God only moves in the lives of those who are hungry and who are thirsty. Verse 16, God says, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Yeah, God would rather you don't serve him than put on an act of serving him. Yeah. yeah. When we come here and we come to church or we say we are God's children, God wants us to be in lock, stock, and barrel. He doesn't want us to worship him with our mouth when our heart is far away from him. Are you there, Bazalanane? Don't be one of those people who is just complacent and half-hearted. Number two, we need to get rid of self-praise. If I may ask you, Grace Bible Church, that God has carried us for 40 years is nothing for us to be proud of. We should be grateful, but not proud of it. We never want to pat ourselves on the back and tell everybody, look how good we are. Success can be one of the most dangerous things or whatever we perceive as success can be one of the most dangerous things. Very often when people have power, whether it's spiritual power, financial power, educational power, or any form of power, and if they are the ones who are ahead, we can easily become big-headed. We must be very careful when God begins to do things among us not to be big-headed. Be very careful not to start lecturing other people and talking down on other people. You know, you know I was telling them in the first service, one of the questions I, that I don't like when journalists ask is to say, now that you are 40 years in the ministry, what, what, what do you think the other people who failed, what should they have done? And I say, why, why, why must now keep work other ones who didn't? Why, why? Why? I can't now know that runa. Little now we are here. Now, now, it doesn't mean we didn't practice certain things. We did. But more than anything, the grace of God has carried us. All right. Please, Bazaran, don't go around talking bad about other churches. Don't go around telling them you should be like us. Please don't do that. How many of you are sitting next to one of those people who say, you've never heard of someone that goes like that. I can see you. You've never heard of someone like that. <laughs> Let's get rid of self-praise. Note what it says. God is very concerned about these things. In Deuteronomy 8, he says to Banaba Israel, when I've brought you into the promised land, when you have eaten and when you are satisfied... He says, praise the Lord your God who has given you the land. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and you are satisfied, when you've built fine houses and settled down, 
When your heads and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. Oh yeah. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, who led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with all the venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers that never knew. God says, if you don't do that, you may say to yourself, verse 17, my power, hey, my power. You know, when you start lecturing people, now you can share with people your lessons, but don't need to lecture people. No need to talk down on people. So you'll say to yourself, my power and my strength, the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. God says, no, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the ability. He's the one. Come on now, let's just thank him. He's the one. Come on, let's thank him. Come on, let's thank him, Basalana. Let's thank him. He's the one. He's the one. Come on, let's thank him. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Just the keyboard. Just the keyboard. He's the one. Come on, thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Come on, thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Think about it, Bazalana. We are here today because of His grace and His mercy. Think about, think about, think, think about, think about your life. Think about it. Just, just, just go back in your mind to that time when you were depressed. Eh? You were bound. You were wayward. Eh? You didn't know what to do. You were confused. Everything was not working around you. You are in a place in your life where you don't know whether you are coming or going. You went to bed in your heart with a thirst and a hunger that you could not describe. You didn't know what you want. Nothing could satisfy you. But think about it. When Jesus came into your life, when he changed you, when he transformed you, look where you are today. Look at what he has done. In spite of what the devil has tried to do in your life, God has spared you in spite of everything that the enemy tried to do in your life. Here you are today. He has brought you through many years and many eras of trouble. He has taken you out of difficulty. He has rescued you when the devil was trying to finish your life. God intervened when the devil was trying to trample you under feet, when everything was trying, when people came against you, when systems came against you. Look at you today, here you are. Come on, let's give him the glory. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tell a few people God has been a good God to me and is worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Remember the Lord your God. Remember, remember.
remember. So as we go into this next season, Barcelona, we don't want to be full of self-praise to remember. Number three, get rid of disloyalty and division. Refuse to allow division and disloyalty. In Romans 16, verse 17, Paul writes, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions. Mark them which cause divisions. One of the tools that Satan uses is to bring division among God's people and to cause them to be divided and fight over nothing. And whilst we are fighting each other, Satan is gaining ground on the other side. Yeah. He takes our attention away from God and puts our attention on our differences. We must understand that we will always have differences among ourselves. You know, the wonderful thing that's happening among churches today is that we're learning to put our differences aside. You know? Of course, there are things that are very critical that we are all on the same page concerning them. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That the Bible is the Word of God. We believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. All those things. But there's other areas where we, we are all different. I mean, when it comes to baptism, you know. You know? Some, we baptize them. We throw them once in the water. Some, we sprinkle. Some, we put them three times. Some, we marinate. Some, we drown. You know? <laughs> Just, you know, and, and everybody has got their own way of doing it. And it becomes one of those things. But this should not be a cause for us to fight and divide over that. We shouldn't allow division and disloyalty. Number four, we need to get rid of being weak and delicate and know that we are in warfare. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? As God moves us forward you can be sure that Satan will always come against us. You remember when Paul spoke about it, he says, God has opened to me an effectual door. An effectual door. But then he said, but there are many adversaries. With every new opportunities, there's a new set of adversaries. For that reason, we should all remember that the Christian walk demands of us to be strong not strong in ourselves. The Bible says for us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. We need to make up our minds that we're not going to be people who are going to give up easily, who are going to be easily offended. People who are going to magnify small and things and cause them to distract us from our walk with God. The reality is on this path, there are many, many things that will come our way that will bring pain. You know, one of the things I was telling them in the first service, that's been such a blessing as you've worked with many senior leaders, is you know when you get to a certain stage of relating with them, then and only them do you hear them talk about what they've gone through. You know, some of these leaders that have stood and led us for years and they were always preaching and powerful, you thought everything was all right. See, you see them preaching and encouraging you, and then when they start talking and you realize they've gone through so much in their home, in their family, in their personal life. They've gone through loss. In the ministry, they've had so many things happen to them. But in spite of that, they still got up and moved on. Read about 
people in the Bible read about Paul when he talks about his journey. How he was shipwrecked, left for dead, beaten by snakes, all kinds of things. And in spite of everything that happened to him, he got up and moved on. We have to get to a place where we do what God has called us to do in spite of all the trouble that surround us. We cannot allow ourselves to be offended on taken off course by some Smolanyana thing. And I know Smolanyana is not good English, but we understand it here in South Africa. Note what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Now I'm reading the NIV. He says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, your enemy, your enemy. Satan is an enemy. Do you know what the word enemy means? The word enemy means how rotten this guy. Means this person is planning 24 7, 365 and a quarter days, 366 days in a leap year to bring you down. He will plan, he'll scheme, he'll come, he'll look for an opportunity, he'll wait for you to be at your weakest moment, he'll wait for you not to be focused, he's planning. If he can't get you, he will get people around you. Mm, he will use people, he will use circumstances, he will use all kinds of things. Says, Your enemy, your enemy, he's an enemy. Now, it doesn't mean we must see the devil behind every bush now. Yeah. Can't be that when there's load shedding, then you say the devil. No. No, 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 please. But it says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Note what it says. Resist him. He didn't say run away from him. It says resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Why? Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Oh yeah. There's somebody who's going through what you're going through right now. Yeah. And note, and the God of all grace, hallelujah. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and make you firm and make you steadfast. I see somebody being made strong, firm and steadfast. I said I see somebody being restored by God. After you have suffered, he restores you. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't ever, don't ever think when you see somebody crying, it means they are weak. No, they are not weak. We are moving on in spite of the tears. Can I hear an amen? Oh, we believe God and we stand on his word through thick and thin. Even when things don't make sense, we still believe God. Even when we feel like God is not with us, we still believe God. We still serve him. Even when trials come, we still serve God. Even when we lose our job, we still serve God. No matter what comes our way, we still serve God. Through thick and thin, we still serve God. And we know that God will restore us after we have suffered. But then there's something about suffering that brings a certain level of purity and authenticity. Yeah. Even in natural life, if you meet people who've suffered a lot, we don't say people must suffer, but when you meet people who've suffered a lot and they have made it through in life, when they talk to you, 
they are, they are, they are, they are, they are approach to life is different. And their sense of gratitude is different. Oh yeah, there's something about suffering that it cleans you up. It just makes you to be pure. Can I hear an amen? And it gives you a capacity to appreciate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I used to listen to elderly people, you know, when I was not elderly then. And, 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 and. You know, when you are young, you, you unconsciously, I don't think you did consciously, you, you kind of feel like, you know, you own the world, you know. You know. You know, I mean, when you are young, when you, when you fall down, you can just stand up and you don't have to go to the doctor. It's going to heal in a few days. You, know, you can mess up your life, do something, you're going to bounce back. But as you get older, you don't even want to fall because if you fall, <laughs> come on now. I can hear some hearty amens here. You know, you know, you know, you know I, I, used to, I used to watch that when we prayed for people. When I was prayed for people, when we pray for the elderly people and they see people falling down, I'd see the elderly people looking at me. There's one of them who asked to sit on a chair. And I keep saying, why sit on a chair? The power of God's going to come on you. And then I arrived where they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was teasing one of our, our leaders uh, who, who does some work at the back here during the service. And so something, something fell on the ground. So he was picking up and goes, ah, I for it. But, but when you are young, you don't even go through, yeah, you don't, you, I mean, you just go up and down. You, you, you don't even think about it. You don't even think about it. There's something about suffering, Barcelona. That makes you to have a different sense of appreciation. Can I hear an amen? But let's not be weak and delicate. Let's know that in this warfare, God will carry us. Can I hear a good amen? God's word translation reads as follows on that verse. Keep your mind clear and be alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour. Be firm in the faith and resist him, knowing that other believers throughout the world are going through the same kind of suffering. God who shows you his kindness and who has called you through Christ Jesus to his eternal glory will restore you, strengthen you, make you strong, and support you as you suffer for a little while. So if you are suffering right now, God says to you, it's for a little while. Oh, yeah for a little while. Yeah. God will restore you. God will strengthen you. God will support you. God will make you strong. God will never leave you in that condition forever. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. All right. And, and, and God sometimes is not going to fast forward the suffering. He's not going to press the skip button to skip the suffering. Uh-uh. He, he, he said to Peter, Simon, Peter, the devil has desired to sift you as wheat. He didn't say, I've prayed for you that the devil shouldn't come. He said, I prayed for you that your faith should not fail you. Now, yeah, you are going to be tested. You are going to go through it. Mara, you're going to come out on the other side. I see somebody coming out on the other side. No matter what it is, you're coming out on the other side. Yeah. Hallelujah. So let's not be afraid, Barcelona, of challenge and suffering and struggle and difficulty. Every new season has got its own things. Number five, we need to get rid of sinful living. Sinful living. Very often we don't realize how sinful living will choke what God wants to do in our lives. 
Why? Because sin hardens our heart. And sin causes us not to hear the voice of God anymore. Now, I'm not talking about being holier than thou, self-righteousness. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about living in line with the word of God. And remembering that God said we must touch the unclean thing no more. In 2 Corinthians 7.1, note what Paul writes. He says, since we have these promises, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. I was listening to one preacher, and, I, I, and, 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 I, and you know, I, I noticed something. Actually, it's, it's, it's John MacArthur, if those of you who know John MacArthur. And he, he was preaching a sermon entitled The Fear of God. And you know, in his opening statements, it really struck me. He said, you know, there's not much that's said about the fear of God anymore. You know, and uh, no, there's not much said about it. We, we, don't, we don't preach on it. You see, now you're not, you're not saying amen anymore, you see. <laughs> you know, we're living in a, in a world now wherein we we start from ourselves as human beings about what we like and what we prefer. And we throw words around like, don't be judgmental, don't be this and this, and, 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 and the issues around who God is and what God wants get watered down in the process. There's a certain way God instructs us to relate with him. And one of them is to fear him, not a fear of being judged or a fear necessarily of being paralyzed by it or God's going to destroy us and is waiting just to kill us. It is a fear of reverence and honor. And when you read the Old Testament, there's so much the Bible said about the way people relate to God and talk about God. That you can't even throw his name around in vain. I mean, these days when people express themselves, you know, even with WhatsApp and social media, somebody say, OMG, you know. I'm not saying it, I'm just repeating what other people are saying. OMG. Those of you who don't know what OMG is, can you explain to them what OMG is? Or you hear the way the name of Christ is used. And you know what I've never understood is, I've never heard any of these people use the name of other religions like that. It's only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that's dragged through. I mean, someone does something and uses the name of Christ in a profane way. Yeah. So what does it do? It, it waters down our fear of God. That God is just a name. You know, in the Old Testament, God says you've got to revere the name of God and don't, don't use it in vain. Don't use it to swear by it. Yeah. We don't just throw it around. We, you know, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes when you go to the gym. Some of these guys, you know, or some people, you know, they, they, you know or even when people play well, they, they, they score a goal, they use the name of God. They miss a goal, they use the name of God. And it's all, you know, whether they do good, they use the name they, they, and you wonder, what's going on here? And we shouldn't be like that as God's people. God's name is to be revered and to be honored. 
But I'm talking about how we live our lives. Let's allow God to work in our lives and let's live in a way that will honor Him. Of course, we can never be perfect. And we can never live free of sin in our own strength. That's why God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of His Word to live in a manner that will be pleasing to Him. You read the Bible, God always requires a certain way of living from His people. He really says it. We should live in a way that's honoring Him. Number six, we need, we need to get rid of containment. What do I mean? Let's not in any way hinder what God wants to do in our lives. Sometimes achievement can be the greatest enemy of the things God wants to do in our lives. Children of Israel were taken out of Egypt on their way to the promised land, but as they got to different spots and different areas, they camped instead of moving forward. They forgot that as much as all of these great things have happened, where we are is not our destination. There's still more churches to be planted, more communities to be reached by the gospel. There are still many, many communities that need for us to reach out to them with good works. There's a lot of work. The fields are ready. They are white for harvest. They are vast. Jesus says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth more laborers. So we shouldn't allow, as much as we are grateful for what God has done, we shouldn't say that's all there is to it. We should be looking forward to moving into other areas and being challenged by that. In Deuteronomy 1 verse 6 and the first part of verse 7, it says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Yeah, you stayed long enough. Break camp and advance. Tell your neighbor we are advancing. Tell your other neighbor we are moving forward, neighbor. God says, break camp and advance. So we shouldn't allow ourselves to be contained and to stop. There's still a lot more that God wants to do through our lives. And we should be ready for that. Let's not camp at Horeb in inverted commas. And talk about the 40 years and just be happy with that and stop there. There's still a lot that God wants to do. And finally, number seven, and I like this one as I close. We need to get rid of the spirit of unbelief. Whenever God leads his people, he always requires of us to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So we need to embrace the spirit of faith. Why? Because whenever God leads you, he never shows you all there is about the journey. How God leads is he gives you enough to take a step, if I can put it that way. And when you take the step, only then does he show you the next step. It's not always where God shows you the entire plan. So now you have the long-term plan, mid-term plan, and you know, he never does that. He just shows you enough. No wonder when the psalmist write about the word of God, he says, thy word is a lamp to our feet. He didn't say thy word is a floodlight to our feet. You know, a lamp those days, those lamps, and I was telling them the first service, we grew up in a time when we used to 
you know, uh, get these cans, whether you're, you're Coke or any other can, and we would make a lamp out of it. So what you do is you pour paraffin in it, you get a, 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 a string or something, you put it inside this can all the way down to the paraffin, soak it in paraffin, and then you light it up. You know, that, that thing is not very bright. If you had a lamp, I mean, at night, you, you can only see so much, you know. So, so God's guidance is like that. It's a lamp. It's not a floodlight. It's a, it's a, you just see enough. So he shows you enough, Orbona. Put your foot there. So you put it there. And, and note, as you, put it, as you put your foot here, only then can you see the next place. And then you put your foot there. You know, that's, that's just the way God works, you know. Doesn't show, you know, it's not like the floodlights of some of you, your cars, your, the halogen globes, you know, your lights, you can see over there. No, God doesn't do that. Just say, one step at a time. Why? Because in the way God works, he works in the everyday, ordinary steps that we take. Yeah, yeah. So every day, every hour, every minute, you make decisions. Yeah. You made a decision to be here. You made a decision to listen to the word. As you listen to God's word, you're making a decision to make certain adjustments. That's how God lives. That's how God lives. So in other words, a great life doesn't just happen. A great life is a journey taken one step at a time. Hallelujah. So God leads us. But as you take one step at a time, you know, you, you, you still don't know the fullness of the story, but you are obeying God one day at a time. You are trusting God as he says, take this step, take this step, take that step, take that step. And when you look back, you say, my goodness, I thank God that I obeyed God. Look at the journey. Look how far God has brought us. So we need to be people who walk in faith and we believe God. We need to believe God for things to work out in our lives. Believe God for healings in our lives transformation in our families believe God for for progress in our careers believe God that we will serve him better that our spiritual life will be at an all-time high believe God why we walk by faith and we don't walk by sight let us be a people who walk in faith because faith is the atmosphere in which God can operate now I know sometimes these principles of faith can be abused there can be extremes on them but nevertheless, it doesn't take away from what the scriptures are teaching us. We see any time when Jesus ministered, he required of people to walk in faith. And so even as we move forward by Jesus in this next journey, let's trust God. And whatever God tells us, let's do it trusting him. Knowing fully well that he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in earth will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being confident of knowing that in your life, in your own life, God is going to move you forward. He's going to move many things forward. God's going to move us forward as a church in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can I hear a good amen from somebody? And God moves us forward. And as we obey God and as we listen to him, I believe we will see the many, many other years unfold and God take us through the journey and we will be able to do what God has called us to do. And the day we stand before him, for me, I've told people my greatest desire is to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Note, it doesn't say well done, thou good and capable servant. It's well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
faithful in what God tells us to do. You may not have all the knowledge in the world. You may not be the most gifted person in the world. Are you there, Barzalani? You may not be the most talented person in the world, but just be the most faithful person and be faithful to whatever God assigns you to do. Can I hear an amen? Be faithful. 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 Decide in your heart, I'm going to be faithful and God's going to bless us. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. You know how to change lives. And it starts with us inviting you into our lives to change us and make our life new. Lord, as we gather together today, there are those who are here who are seeking in their hearts, seeking for change and transformation in their hearts. They look at their lives and how their life has turned out. It has not been pleasing to you. And you've brought them here, whether they were invited by someone or they came on their own. You tugged at their hearts to bring them into this atmosphere because of your love for them. Because of wanting to make this day a day of change and transformation. Thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet, a light on our path. As we have our heads bowed, everybody please, and our eyes closed. You're here today. You say, as much as I've heard God's word and I'm thankful for what I've heard, but if I was to tell the truth, my life is not right before God. I need prayer. I need to invite Jesus Christ into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. My life is not going in the right direction. But I heard that whosoever can take the stand of coming to Christ and take that initiative. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you say, I really need prayer. I want God to transform, change my life because my life is not going in the right direction. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart to be the Savior and Lord of my life. Would you please pray for me? If that is you and you need prayer, would you please just raise your hand right where you are. Just raise it up where you are. I'd like to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you so much. This is what it's about. It's about when God speaks to us, we take the step to say, God, here I am. I bring my life to you. God invites us just as we are with all the issues, things we don't understand, where everything that has happened with open arms, God waits for us to embrace us as his own. Thank you for those who raised your hands. May I ask you all, would you, raise, would you stand on your feet right where you are, those of you who raised your hands, please? Would you? You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet where you are, please. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Remain standing, please, for a while. Remain standing. Don't sit back down. Remain standing. All right. And the reason we're doing this is because we take seriously the step that you're taking. We, we, we consider this 
very important and a very serious thing. So I want to pray with you and I'm going to invite you just to come from where you are standing and come all the way to the front. Take all your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind. Your bag, your purse. Walk all the way. Come stand here. I want to pray with you. Just come. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's right. Let's encourage them as we do. Come, young man. Come, my brother.